0: Yeah, the music that you're hearing right now is the song John Agar Rules from the Dead Elvi. The song appears by permission of the Dead Elvi. We're playing it this week because we have a John Agar film on deck. We're going to talk about the classic universal big bug monster movie Tarantula starring John Agar. I'm Derek M. Cook and I'm joined by Dr. Gang Green, the award-winning horror host also known as Larry Underwood, he chose Tarantula for the movie to talk about this week. I'm excited to talk about it with him and share that discussion with you guys. This is actually the last of the pre-recorded interviews and segments that I had lined up before we launched Monster Kid Radio. So, all content moving forward is all new content generated after we launched Monster Kid Radio, and I'm excited to share what we've got coming up down the line, but this week we're talking about Tarantula, we're talking about this John Agar, we're talking about Jack Arnold, we're talking a little bit about the plot, talking about women's roles, science lessons, all that kind of stuff when it comes to this classic 1950s monster film. I can't wait to share with you. But before we get to that, I want to share our contact information. You can call us at 503-4795-MKR. I've said it off and on over the past few weeks. We are going to be doing a feedback special down the line. I'd love to have your feedback as part of that. So call and leave us a voicemail. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you think of a various monster movie. Tell us what you've been watching If you went to Monster Bash last weekend, let us know how that went. If you went to San Diego Comic-Con last weekend, let us know how that went. Just go in and let us know. Or drop us an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a page that you can like and then a group that you can join and then get involved in some of the discussions happening over there. I have a poll right now at the top of the page of the Facebook group. Asking you guys and gals which actors or actresses or, heck, let's even say directors, you'd like me to do another top three list of. When we launched the show at Wonder Northwest earlier this year, we started with a top three monster movie list of like our favorite monster movies. Well, I'd love to do that. With some more actors and actresses and directors, you know, and I think Vincent Price right now is at the top of the list. But if you have one that you want to throw out there, I think Whit Bissell came up, which is awesome because I love Whit Bissell. Get over to the group and, and let your voice be heard. Vote in that poll. I've had a lot of people asking me if they can find episodes of the show through a means other than iTunes. Well, we're on the Stitcher Radio app, so you can find us on Stitcher Radio. It's an app for your smartphone, or you can go to our bare bones behind the scenes website at MonsterKidRadio.libsyn dot com. Of course, MonsterKidRadio.net is where everything else is, links to our YouTube page, our live 365 channel, our Flickr album, and everything else we got going on here, including the show notes for this episode, which will include links to Dr. Gang Green's website, which is just Dr That's D-R-G-A-N-G-R-E-N-E dot com, as well as a link to his Amazon page, because the brother's an author. And he's got a handful of material available for Amazon Kindle we we'll am put a link to that as well, as well as a link to the Dead Elvi, who are just awesome to let us play their song on this week's episodes of Monster Kid Radio. You'll hear John Agar rules in its entirety at the end of the show, after part one of our discussion with Dr. Gangrene about the movie Tarantula, which we're going to get to right after this.
1: thank you. Bravo, take one. Hello, Fright Fiends. Join me, Dr. Grimm, your master of ceremonies on Creature Feature, as I bring you with me on a fright-filled journey into the classic monster movies of yesteryear, with films like Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolf Band, Creature from the Black... What? Well, what was wrong with that? Uh, nothing except we're not showing any of those films. Ah, uh, nothing that classy. Uh, we can't afford the classic packages. What? I thought we were going to. I didn't sign up to hear some cheap jack collection of cinematic claptrap. If you think for one minute. Come check out Creature Feature, the podcast that explores the monster movies of yesteryear. Tune in every other week to hear movies covered featuring vampires from outer space, werewolves disguised as Mexican wrestlers, bug-eyed aliens with a fetish for blondes, killer tree stumps, Japanese actors playing Caucasian monsters, cat women from the moon, giant crawling eyes, green slime, and even Hitler's brain. You can find us on iTunes or check us out at CreatureFeaturePodcast.com. Creature Feature, the other classic horror podcast. I don't need this, you know. I work in the legitimate theater. Yeah, dinner theater may be fun to things. You insolent cur. Say what now? I said, you're the director. Okay, let's go for another tank.
0: When it comes to big bug movies, you think of them, you think of Earth versus the Giant Spider, and of course, you think of Tarantula from 1955 from director Jack Arnold. And my friend, Dr. Gang Green, also known as Larry Underwood, suggested we talk about this movie for this episode of Monster Kid Radio to so talk about this film. How are you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? Are you a big fan of Tarantula? Love Tarantula, one of my favorite 50s movies. Oh, it's great. Jack Arnold, who I know best from The Creature from the Black Lagoon, one of my favorite 50s movies. Mm-hmm. John Agar.
2: Love John Agar.
0: John Agar rules. You can't really say much more about John. When you think 50s sci-fi, I think of John Agar. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course, he was in the Creature sequel, Revenge of the Creature, with Mm -hmm. Director Jack Arnold, of course. And, you know, we've got some really good special effects in here, some great music. This is one of the quintessential, I believe, universal science fiction movies of the 50s. I mean, Universal was known for their horror movies, their monster movies from the 30s, 40s, and, well, early 50s. And then we transition into the sci-fi movies that they were becoming known for in that era. And this one is one of the best. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, did this one come out before or after Earth vs. the Spider?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: Now, Earth vs. the Spider is the Burt I. Gordon movie that also has a giant missing a town. Let's see, a quick search, 1958. So this one came out first. Mm, the original creepy crawler. There you go, there you go. And, I, and there really aren't many giant spider movies out there. I mean, we see giant ants and deadly mantises and things like that, but I can't think of any other spiders, can you?
2: No, I can't, and you would think. You know, that that would be a normal, but maybe this one just did it so well it, it branded itself as the giant spider monster <laughs> Kind of, maybe, kind of a
0: sub-sub-sub-genre.
2: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> now, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time before Larry recommended it to me. Uh, I think I saw it last when I had it on VHS way back mm. in the day when I worked at a blockbuster video. Remember those? Years oh, yeah. ago. So I hadn't watched it in a long time. Fortunately, it's available on DVD as part of a set. Uh, put out by Universal with some other movies from that era, like The Deadly Mantis. Actually, I take that back. The Deadly Mantis is not part of that collection. That's a shame.
2: No, it's Monolith Monsters, Monster from the Campus. I'm trying to think oh Well, The Mole People, John uh, Agar. Mole People, another, yeah, another Agar movie. movie. Incredible Shr- it's a good set. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, an Incredible Shrinking Man. That's right. Well, it's another Jack Arnold yes. movie.
0: Yes, who I know, I, I realize I know not very much about. I need to learn more about Jack Arnold and his uh, filmography or our what do you know about John you
2: know, Well, I think he directed some Gilligan's Island episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I may be totally off base there, but um, but I believe he did. Um, he just did so much good stuff. The guy is is just a solid director. Of course, he did some later on, and did some Westerns and other things. You know, I think but, everybody um, did
0: in that time, including mm-hmm. John Agar. But, you know. Yeah, but now I want to see an episode of Gilligan's Island where Gilligan and the skipper walk away from the be- the coastline on the beach, and then the creature's hand comes out and you hear the sting, da, da, da you know, as yeah, I just I want to see <laughs> I want that mashup in my head to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, let's see. I'm,
2: yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb page now. Yeah, Gilligan's Island, incredible, incredible Shrinking Man, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and it came from outer space. Or four it says he's known oh, for, so. it came from
0: outer space. There you you go. know, it's another classic and that's another universal film isn't it uh yes yeah, yeah, another think. classic and one thing that i did notice watching this arnold every once in a while would have the let's sit down and talk about science moments in these you know, yeah. did it in creature when he's talking about the evolution of certain fish that come out on land he does it in this movie a couple of times talking about the uh well we even have this film of the tarantulas you know, we have yeah. the, the classroom <laughs> scene. Basically, where we're like, "Well, here's some. Do you have that tarantula film queued up? Yeah, let's go ahead and play that for the good doctor. So, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't just tell him about a tarantula; He needed to show him this little education. Exactly. Thing like exactly. Yeah. Well, I think the story's pretty uh, easy. to to follow, if you don't already know it, it's basically a giant tarantula terrorizing a town, as the cover box, uh, I think the VHS cover box used to say, crawling terror, 100 feet high. But there's a whole pre-story though,
2: that before, because it's it's a good 30 minutes before it gets to the tarantula stuff, at at least. least. Yeah, we've got you got a, a lot of mad science happening.
0: Yeah, which is again uh, something that might have been a holdover from previous types of movies from Universal. You know, you had the mad scientist, you know, craze in the 30s and 40s, and a little bit in the 50s as well. You know, that's creeping in here with the acromagillia, trying to make a new food source, you know, nutrients to help the overpopulated planet in the future, which ultimately results right. in a giant tarantula. So. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Their future is our past now, which is kind of interesting. They're talking about the 2000 by 2000, I think he mentions um, what the population of the world will be and how the, you know, the food source will be limited because the population is booming so much. And, you know, it's kind of kind of interesting. But Leo G. Carroll is the the mad scientist. Professor Deemer, Professor Deemer, Yeah. And uh, so he's he's created this new nutrient that is supposed to um, work as a food source for people. Um, he is using it to inject animals, and a side effect is it causes them to grow to extreme proportions. So you have giant guinea pigs and giant rabbits and a giant tarantula. And his two cohorts that are working on it with him inject themselves with this nutrient, and that's where the agro megaly um, disfigurement comes in because they become disfigured. Which
0: Isn't necessarily something new for Universal. I mean, Rondo Hatton is a a character actor from some of these movies as well. And, I mean, he passed away in the mid-40s, but he had worked for Universal as well. And he actually – he really suffered from Aquamagalia. So this is Mm -hmm. something that might have been in Universal's, uh, I don't know, wheelhouse a little bit, something that they knew a little bit about. Although the makeup that we see on that first guy wandering through the desert in his pajamas didn't look anything like Rondo Hatton.
2: No, it looked more like uh, Agar in that um. What's what's the movie the, the Hand the, of Death. The Hand of Death. It what <laughs> looked more like him in that, like like Ben Grimm thing or yeah, something. You yeah,
0: yeah. I, <laughs> I couldn't tell what we were looking at here. I mean, he looked like that. He looked a little like alien-like from like a Twilight Zone episode. I, I don't know. Just something about well, him.
2: His stomach was distended, yeah. and he had uh, his faces distended, and, and yeah, it was all over the place. But uh, the Bud Westmore did the effects for this, and uh, the special effects. Are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure about the visual effects. Who who did that? But um, it did some matting and some things like that that were actually really pulled off really
0: well for its time. Yeah, I was sitting. I was really impressed. I, mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself that this looks a lot better than it has any right to be. It looked really good.
2: Yeah, and I think that's part of
0: what makes it hold up so well. Yeah, this movie's aged pretty well. Although there, are, <laughs> we say that, but there are some exchanges of dialogue. Between, oh.
2: yeah, <laughs> uh, between
0: our two leaders, our our male lead John Agar, who plays Doctor Matt Hastings, and our female lead Eric Corday playing Steve Clayton. Steve, yeah, yeah,
2: I love how older movies always give women men's yeah. names. I mean it's just kind of the thing. But uh, <laughs> the in general, the whole attitude towards women is so archaic in this. I mean it's really. Um, chauvinistic it, movie in terms of its approach towards it women. it
0: is uh there's the you know <laughs> science or not, a girl's got to get her hair done, you know really <laughs> yeah. really, and before that, yeah. when Dr. Hastings is driving her uh to uh professor Deamer's home to you know start working for him, oh, a lady scientist, give women the vote and see what happens R- really. Yeah.
2: And she shows up and her boss says, well, I just wasn't expecting a scientist that looked like you. And I mean, it just goes on and on. They're later joking about more. There's more women jokes, jokes at women's right. expense later on with some of the townspeople. And, you know, this this kind of a running theme throughout the movie. But um which I mean, I guess it was 1955. I'm not excusing it. I'm just sort of saying. Right. I
0: mean, it's it's of the time, certainly. And that's one of the things that we see when we look at these older movies is, you know, it's not just an, uh, a movie. It's also kind of a slice of what life was like in terms of, you know, society and, and how people treated each other and what the prevailing thoughts regarding gender roles and racial t- stereotypes and just all these different things. I mean, there's no racial stereotypes in this, for example. But, you know, y- you see that in these older movies and you can't necessarily fault the movies for that now. Right. It's just kind of how it was right or wrong that said right. I Courtney did a great job in the movie i mean she was not just that typical kind of dumb woman character that you'd see in some of these movies but she was a well-rounded character i really enjoyed her yeah
2: she was great and she really is a beautiful woman too i think now you said she made some magazine appearances and such she was i guess a model at the time also right
0: and she did appear in playboy at one point so mm, she okay. did have a playboy appearance as well um but yeah, I mean, she was a beautiful. I mean, we can't take that away from her, but mm-hmm. she was also a good actress, and the character I really liked. I could see this character, the Steve character, going on and having other monster adventures with Doctor Hastings.
2: Yeah, I you could know? see that. I, I thought the two really played well. I thought there was a chemistry there between them. I thought, and she held her own against you know, with Agar, who oh. obviously is huh. uh, you know had a, a million. Screen appearances in B-movies, you know, he's the king of B-movies. Oh, movies. yeah, well,
0: John Agar rules. And uh, I, I think we're going to have to say that like every five minutes in this thing, Jane. Ar-
2: I think uh, you're right. Of course, that's a, a ref for those of you who may may not know, to a, a song by the, the band, The Dead El-Buy. Uh It's called John Agar
0: Rules. Which we should be playing in this episode probably at the end. Go ahead and play okay. that in there. Drop that in there. Um, and, and I, I want to get back to that as well because you've done something with that song as well that I want to talk about. Uh, at some mm-hmm. point. But yeah, check out the Dead Alvi. Great band. And this song, John Agar Rules, is spot on.
1: Sp- yeah. It's spot really
0: good. on. So uh John Agar, who is just charismatic as hell. You know, he commands mm-hmm. the screen when he turns up on screen. And yeah, he's played other scientific types. You know, we mentioned Revenge of the Creature, you know, he's a, a scientific type in that. But in this, he's a small town doctor who when we first meet him, I guess flies in <laughs> to the various small yeah. towns that he services it, in Arizona. I rewatched it this morning.
2: That's the first thing I got a kick out of is that he flies his own small, you know, two seater into town, hops out and immediately jumps into a waiting convertible uh, automobile and drives off in a in a convertible that just, ha- they, you know, I guess they knew he was coming. So they <laughs> had it waiting for him on the landing strip there, yep. you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. So he, he's got to go into town and. You know, it's it's life in a small town, except there's this Acromagalia killing people, and Professor Damon oh, who yeah. wants nobody to look into it too deeply, because mm-hmm. he's got his secret experiments happening just outside of town. So I guess it's not so small a town that you can't have the the mad scientist stuff going on, on, on you know, just outside of town. Um, and I guess you know it's Shut got up. an airstrip to fly into, so
2: it's <laughs> <laughs> <Well, that's> private. <proper. laughs> personally flown yet, right. And then That's he calls
0: right. ahead and says, by the way, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. Uh, get the car ready. Would you?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brid. So, uh, yeah. So he shows up in town and they sort of start, it, you know, investing immediately gets a call from the, the sheriff who is, uh, Nestor,
0: Nestor uh, Peva, who Peva. also appeared in creature uh, from the black lagoon. Yeah. He was yeah, Lucas. And revenge of the creature. In, in yeah. That. I, I could play six degrees of creature from the black lagoon with this movie. Like I I got this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, Agar, Jack Arnold, <laughs> Nestor Pava, Mara Corday was in the Black Scorpion with Richard Denny. You know, there's all sorts of connections here. So,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Arnold obviously had uh, certain actors he was oh, comfortable yeah. with, and you know, reused there as all you know directors. Well, and if it's do. a
0: Universal production, they've got the Universal you know stock basically, the people that are on contract to them. So,
2: mm-hmm. but Pava doesn't really do. He,
0: he's totally different from the from the uh,
2: Captain oh, Lucas. He really is. You know, I he has. Ha-
0: I had forgotten that it was the same guy until I sat down to watch it again this time. And I, I realized, wait a minute. And as a character actor, I mean, he was a totally different type. I was really mm-hmm. impressed. Yeah,
2: he did a good job. So he's kind of the, the local sheriff, and and he's uh, he's got this body that turned up. So as soon as the, the doc shows up in town, and gives him a call. and said, hey, we got, I need you over here. We got a body. Come look at it. And, you know, um, Agar immediately... Diagnosis is agromegalia, uh, but he's like, he this can't be because I just saw this guy not that long ago, and this is a chronic condition, and you know, obviously this would have just occurred, so can't be. And Professor Deemer says, well, that is what it is. You know that this is you are right in your diagnosis,
0: and kind of we we'll go from there. Immediately, he seems like he's hiding something. And it's it's mm-hmm. evident to us as an audience because well we know there's something else going on because we've spent some time with the guy in the pajamas in the desert you know we know there's something happening here but Dr Hastings is also and rightfully so suspicious because this is a disease that takes years to uh, I guess come to its conclusion with its victims mm-hmm. this guy got it in four days is that what we said. Yeah, something yeah, and, like that. You know, yeah. And he's dead, and that's that's not right. And Doctor Hastings won't let it go. There's something a little creepy here. But the young know, sheriff's like, well, you know, I'm gonna look into it. But you know, it's not like he wants to ruffle any feathers.
2: Yeah, I mean, Deemer's a well-respected member of the community, and he, you know, as he says, you can't stack up your knowledge against someone with years of experience like Deemer. So we'll just sort of let right. it go. I mean,
0: at one point when Doctor Hastings is proven wrong about something, the sheriff will. Well, next time there's an issue, I'll just call a doctor from Phoenix. You know, like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> it does go preachy, like you were mentioned before with the the sign, a little heavy handed on the scientific explanation of the bonding agents for the for the serum that they've created, and this and that, and you know, kind of make sure that you know this rubber science is 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 you know how it works. But exactly. Um, but they do spend a good amount of time on that, and and they, you learn that. Uh, that he's created this formula that he wants to use for to to solve the world's food supply, coming food supply problem right. that they anticipate.
0: And, and he's bringing in Steve to help him out as a research assistant. But before Steve gets there, there's an accident at the lab because you said there were two other people working with Deemer. We saw one die the, in the pre-credit sequence. The other guy comes back, mm-hmm. and he's also suffering from the acromagalia. And there's a struggle, a fight, and a fire. And the tarantula escapes during the – the
2: uh the fracas the the glass cage is broken the the tarantula which is at at this point about maybe three feet three and a half feet long tall a couple feet tall you know it caught craw- and escapes and crawls out into the yep. desert where it continues to mutate and grow and
0: grow and you know i want to talk about the lab real quick we mentioned the matt special effects they're on full display here in the lab because we don't just see the giant spider we see the giant is it a rabbit and then a guinea pig Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, Professor Demer is walking between the camera and the giant animal in the background and I couldn't see the mat lines. It looked really good. It did. Well the fact that the cages were
2: shot from straight on yeah. and they were so rectangular that they were able to mat it perfectly mm-hmm. in, in those cages, you know, and it was just really an ingenious way to shoot that scene. Um and it it really holds up. I mean it looks great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is the same guy that directed The Incredible Shrinking Man, and those effects are great. That's also. true. That's true. Kind of in his wheelhouse. That's kind of just very, very well done. Definitely. And that's what holds up well with this movie are the visual I think effects.
0: so. I think if you get hung up in some of the sexism and all that, at least you can go to the giant spider. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes, you can. So the giant spider's loose, and now we're just waiting for the spider to, well, to turn into the 100 feet of crawling terror. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you know, we meet so Steve it, and everybody. We got we to gotta meet Steve. That's right. She shows
2: up, uh, gets off the bus immediately, um, is having trouble. She wants to go, you know, out to the Demers' place, but she can't get a ride. And uh, Agar happens to be going that way, so he offers to take her, and the two immediately hit it off. There's a
0: definite connection between the two, but I really appreciated that it didn't turn into a kind of a cliché kind of, I don't know, love it for a sight kind of thing. I mean, there's definitely... A different, it's a little flirtation, exactly.
2: but that's there's an you know. edgy
0: flirtation to it. I really liked it. You know, when mm-hmm. uh, is it were they saying at a hotel? Does Dr. Hastings say at a hotel or something like that in town, a boarding house? Well, it, it's like I, I was a little not too sure on that.
2: Um, if maybe his office uh, was maybe maybe she just came into where his office was and that's where the switchboard or the I don't know. A, not exactly sure. Yeah, it's car. it's a
0: little unclear as to what the living arrangement is, but she's there looking for a ride. He's there. The person who runs the front desk offer you know, recommends, "Hey, doctor, Hay, you know, he's going out this way. Uh, can you give her a ride? And do you want me to introduce you to each other?" And they both look at him and say, "No." Together and walk off. There's an edgy kind of yeah. flirtation here that I just really liked these two. I want to see these two go on adventures together, man. Mm-hmm. They, sh- yeah, they should go they, fight. They, well they should go fight the deadly mantis. <laughs> and the black yes. scorpion.
2: Oh wait, wait. Agar's not uh, in well,
0: Dang. You know, but she is. And then he could just get. I don't know. <laughs> she should have brought him. I, I smell some fan fiction coming here. That's what I'm. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh goodness. So they uh, head off and make their way to Deemer's office. And at this point, they find the um, the lab's been smashed to bits from the ensuing fight that they had earlier.
0: Professor Deemer believes that all of his specimens were destroyed. He doesn't mention what was destroyed at this point. It would have been useful if he had mentioned. Oh, by the way, you know, I also lost that giant tarantula I was growing. But you know, mm. I mean, that comes well, up later.
2: I don't know. Well, he wasn't awake though. He well, and what we forgot to uh, to mention also is in the fight. He is knocked unconscious, and the other uh, guy injects Professor Deemer with the same formula. I think we neglected to That's mention true. that earlier. So. He has been injected with this now also, so we know that he is about to suffer the same fate as the other two men. But while he was unconscious, maybe because of the fire or whatever, he wasn't sure what escaped, you know, or what was destroyed. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, but at this point in the story, while I'm enjoying what's happening with Hastings and, you know, Stephanie, Steve, Clayton and and everything that's happening here in the small town, I I was waiting for the tarantula to show up. I felt myself getting a little anxious waiting for the spider to happen yeah um, well I'm not, I'm not saying that it wasn't well done in the suspense i mean i suppose was in place on purpose <laughs> it worked on me it made me want the spider mm-hmm. i felt like there was a little meandering that could have gone south for me it could have turned into the cheesy kind of you know hastings and steve go out to the rock formation and you know, they could have done the grandiose kiss with the music swelling in the background and all that. But, no, they're just kind of out sightseeing. So, I mean, I, I, it's a fine line that Arnold was walking here in terms of mm-hmm. keeping the suspense high, keeping the story going.
2: Yeah, I think that's all really well yeah. done, and it's, it never crosses that line. So, so yeah, I think it's well – I think that's well done. And I agree the best part of the movie is the second half where the, the tarantula oh, is rampaging. Oh, of course. The, prequel stuff it just it's just a little talking it's, it's a little draggy it does so, a draggy. Yeah. um it gets on to the tarantula maybe at the halfway Yeah, mark. The
0: halfway we start seeing the tarantula and then about the two-third maybe three-quarter way you know it's really town versus tarantula
2: so the tarantula while the rest of the characters are kind of sorting out what they're doing the tarantula has started skulking about town and making snacks of cattle and uh, occasional person here and there and the doctor's getting reports oh somebody else has been killed so he'll go investigate and every, in every instance he finds bones that have been stripped clean of every of all the flesh and skin and these strange puddles
0: of white substance which is just creepy yeah. <laughs> but not so creepy that Hastings doesn't taste it later when he finds it later. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't you love that? He w- walks up to it the first time he sees it
2: and his immediate thing is to stick a finger in there and I'm taste gonna it. I'm going to smell
0: mm. this and I'm going to taste it and that's gonna, what are you doing? And I'm going to touch, I'm going to touch, smell and taste this. <laughs> yes. I guess he's using all his senses, I don't know, but <laughs> like man, <laughs> That's a mad that's, science. That's right. Well, see, he's just a little town doctor here. Now, if he was the the brilliant scientist that we see in other movies, I don't know. I'm stretching.
2: <laughs> it's almost on par with the scientist from Monster on the Campus, the in- ineptitude of that scientist that's right. as well. Yeah.
0: yeah, which we haven't seen that in forever either. And
2: I think that's another Arnold movie, I, yeah, isn't it? I think so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, anyway yeah so the goo is bitter tasting so it must be bad uh, yeah so now you know that spider venom yes tastes which bad. i'm glad we know that now so that if, if <laughs> i come across some white substance that just tastes bitter and a bunch of skeletons nearby i'll know what. Well, yeah
2: that uh your first inclination isn't yes, to taste it yes yeah. yes Yes. Mm. <laughs> huh,
0: must be a giant spider yeah that, that's uh, funny yeah. <laughs> yeah uh let's see great. we learned something in this movie <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: that's right we did so you've got your cattle that have been stripped clean you've got your human skeletons that, that they're finding here here, and there we've got a couple more victims so everything's mounting up uh, Dr. Hastings takes a sample and sends it off to the lab to get it analyzed and uh, discovers that it is spider venom so he starts putting two, two and two together and starts s- suspecting that there's a spider on the rampage
0: exactly and later on Professor Deemer does mention they were working on a tarantula as well, which of all the things to be working on in terms of like nutrients and things like that, it does seem weird that they were trying to feed a tarantula to me because a tarantula Mm -hmm. is about as far away from a human being (laughs) as, as you can get. I mean, I understand they're trying to make a food stuff for the world population and all that. So you test it on mammals. You got the giant guinea pig and the giant rabbit, but why a tarantula?
2: Yep, because he had a, an ape. There was a small monkey there, and he didn't apparently inject it with the monkey. Although I was thinking to myself, you know, we could have King Kong running around in the desert here if we yeah. had. That might have been kind of yeah. cool. But I guess he didn't because he was feeding the monkey and playing with the monkey. And at one point, someone off screen throws the monkey at him. Although I think it's a, <laughs> there's a weird jump cut. I think it's a stuffed animal, and they cut to the. <laughs> Did and I did that? when
0: Professor Deemer is surveying the wreckage of the of the fire in the lab and all that. He's out wandering around in the desert night, and this giant shadow appears off to the left of the screen, and then something jumps out at him, and it's clearly somebody tossing the monkey to him. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a little tiny I'm monkey. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's the monkey or a stuffed animal, but there's a weird jump cut that suddenly he's holding the little yeah. monkey in his, in his hand and, and – it so it's
0: clearly somebody tossing whatever uh, to leo yeah. carroll it's like a <laughs> catch it's like what it's an odd thing yeah, there are a few yeah. things about this movie that i find a little odd i mean i i really enjoyed this movie okay and, and i started to criticize it a little bit and I, I do have some other criticisms about the end but i really enjoyed this movie i thought the characterizations really carried it through as well as the, the amazing special effects we talk about how they find the white goo in the in the bones strewn about we find some human remains that pretty gruesome for 1950s yeah and i was impressed by that as well and ultimately dr hastings is going to put us put this all together try to get the sheriff involved and he doesn't necessarily buy it
2: yeah and the journalist sees them in that scene where they decide that um there is a uh, a threat so they gather all of the town's explosives (laughs) all of the the dynamite in the town and they load the street up line it across the street Run it back to a a plunger. I found it funny that that John Agar is still the one, though, giving the command of, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, now. He hops in the truck with the military
0: as well, or the local police, whoever it is. Yeah, I thought, but but he's just the town doctor. He just delivered twins. He's a doctor, but
2: he's just so damn macho. It is John Agar, who rules.
0: Instinctively took
2: over. (laughs) That's right, John. (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) So they blow up the, the dynamite, which doesn't harm the giant tarantula at all it continues stalking so they run from it and immediately drive straight back to town it's like okay there's a giant tarantula following following us let's drive right yes. into town so it exactly us. let's
0: go back to where everybody else is living where we have no more dynamite as we commented earlier there's no more dynamite in town <laughs> mm-hmm. so they head back to town but fortunately we have clint eastwood to clint the rescue. eastwood piloting a bunch of stock footage coming in to save the day <laughs> In a in a fighter jet, uh, we saw earlier
2: that they had scrambled four fighter jets, and they come shrieking into town and start bombing the tarantula as it's making its way towards the city that they had, right. had fumbled to. They uh,
0: they rocket they threw rockets at it, and then they drop napalm on it, and then that's that. Sat. And I, I think Liz, Clint Eastwood he's not even credited in this, is he?
2: I don't know that he is. Of course, you know, he is on IMDb and he is, everybody knows
0: now that he's in it, but I don't know that he's listed on the yeah. end credits. And of course, he was one of the Universal, you know, stock actors. He was on contract to them, so they kind of put him wherever they needed him. Uh, you know, he was also in Revenge of the Creature, which was his first film. So, I mean, he mm-hmm. had worked with Jack Arnold as well. And then Clint Eastwood and Merrick Corday uh, actually we friends. I don't know if their friendship started here, but later in life, they became friends as well. And she appeared in a lot of his movies uh, later mm-hmm. on, you know, like in yeah. the rookie and a few other things here and there for Clint. So
2: it's not a stretch to think they met for the first time. Yeah. Working for
0: Universal one way or the other. So. So that's kind of cool, too. You know, you got another connection there. And, you know, Clint Eastwood does less in this movie uh, in terms of performance because he's just got the thing over his face, the mask over his face. Whereas at least in Revenge of the mm-hmm. Creature, he plays the bumbling scientist who can't hold on to his rat.
2: Yeah, that's right. Now, all you see really are his eyes and, and he throws some dialogue yeah. and that's yeah. about it. He's in the cockpit of a plane with the the gas mask on there. The
0: and they and save I the know. day, burning tarantula in the background. Everybody's cheering and credits. Mm -hmm. All of this action with the tarantula happens, like, in the last 15 minutes of the movie. It all seems jam-packed in there, right at the very end. And one of the biggest complaints that I have about the movie, and and again, I'm not trying to dog on it because I do enjoy the movie quite a bit. It seems like the town is saved through no fault, I suppose, or no uh, work on behalf of our leads. They are saved by the stock footage that turns uh, (laughs) up, the the fighter pilots that turn up at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. That had nothing to do with the story at all. <laughs> they just happened to turn up and, I mean, I know they called him in and all, but it just, it would have been more satisfying for me if John Agar was in the chat, Just because we saw that he could fly. He's got a small plane. Well, that is
2: true. I mean, maybe he could have dropped some kind of something to catch the spider on fire out of his I don't know. Plane. Just
0: uh, something to, to make it more of a personal victory. For Agar and Company. That, that's that's what I would have liked to have seen. That said, the special effects of the spider being attacked, the Matt Jobs, the burning spider, all of it just looked really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a big soundtrack collector. People who know me know that I collect film scores. And I love the music in this. I love the 50s sci-fi music, from, especially from Universal.
2: Mm-hmm. That's really what makes this feel like a yeah. big film, like a, like a, a Universal oh, yeah. classic is the, the music, yeah. Her, you know. Herman Stein
0: together. is poser on this. And I mean the the opening shot of the Universal logo is that same stinger that you get from Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's it kind of became their sci-fi stinger for a few movies. They would just kind of recycle it. But Herman Stein also worked on Creature and Revenge and all those others. So of course he's along for the ride with Jack Arnold and it's just a great score. I'm mm-hmm. I really, it really enjoy is. it quite a bit. And again, John Agar rules. You can't go wrong with John Agar in the lead. <laughs> Absolutely. uh, A big thanks to Larry for joining me for this week's episodes of monster kid radio. Come back in a couple of days for part two of that discussion. Talk a little bit more about the movie itself and kind of its impact and its influence on us as monster kids and him as a horror host. Again, you can check him out at drgangreen.com or look up Larry Underwood at Amazon to check out his short fiction. Remember, we have a contest going right now where you can create the very first Monster Kid Radio promo. It's got to be between 30 and 60 seconds long. It can use the music that we use here on the show when we don't have a band like the Dead Elvi providing the music. The deadline is August 11th, and if you are the winning producer of the Monster Kid Radio promo, you do get an unopened, never-watched, virgin copy of White Zombie on Blu-ray from Kino. It came out. Not too long ago, and it looks great. It's got a great commentary track. One of the best Bella Legosi movies. One of the best zombie movies ever. Can't wait to see what you guys turn in for that. I have no entry so far, so the field is wide open. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivations 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that does not extend to the song John Agar Rules by the Dead Elvi, which you're going to hear in its entirety right now, courtesy of the band. Talk to you in a couple of days.